You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, Tommy's here, Aaron's here, and I am here as well. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Good morning to you. Good morning, Kevin. What I need from you, and the only thing I need for you from you, because it's the only thing you're good for, what's going to happen this weekend? Ooh, uh, I, this is an odd weekend in that most of the favorites would appear to... No! What are you talking about? Oh, the snow. The snow. <laughs> oh, my what God. What the heck I are thought you talking I thought you had about? faith in my football picks. No, I just want to oh. know about the snow. Yeah, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> um, I have no idea. You know, this what is... What is this? You th- always know. Well, this is one of those storms that could be flurries or it could be eight inches. Well, that would be a problem. Yeah, so it's it's right now very much a work in progress, a let it play out uh, scenario. Oh, you're getting soft in your old age. I, I don't, you know, the the, um, the more important thing, if you're into snow like I am and winter weather, actually, I've gotten to the point now, Tommy, where if it's not going to be snowing, I want it to be 60 degrees. <laughs> like today is windy and cold. Yes. It's windy and cold. Um but we we appear to be heading into a pattern here over the next, definitely over the next month, like the rest of January into early February, where we're going to have a lot of snow and bad weather opportunities. If you're into it, like I am, I'm into right. these big storms. And I, f- for this weekend, the, the, there's a couple of things at work. I love, I, you know, I'm on these weather message boards yeah, with know. other, you know, faux meteorologists um, and they're, they're so convinced they've got it all figured out. And every model run is like this, you know, it's like this holiday that everybody celebrates. Here come the models. Here comes the Euro, the GFS, all of them. And, um, and I, I, I got to get off those message boards because I'm basically listening and reading. I don't post ever. Um, but it, most of the people don't know what they're talking about. I think we have some good meteorologists in town. Sue Palka, obviously. Yes. Number one. Um, I think Topper does a really good job at Channel Nine, and Doug Cameron does a good job at Channel Four. I have so no I should I should pay attention to them I have, instead of you. I, I just told you that. Okay, you know what? I'll split the difference. I'll say for actually, this could be one of those storms where I end up with a little bit more than you do. Okay. You're, you may be a little bit too far but, north. But I have to head into D.C. Saturday and okay, Sunday well, morning. Why to do the radio oh, show with radio, Andy? Right. So. You know, Saturday morning is not going to be a problem. Sunday morning would be the issue because okay. I think most of it will fall Saturday night into Sunday during the day. And it could be an odd storm in that you could have it snowing for 24 hours, but just not heavily for 24 hours, you know, very lightly. And then maybe a couple of bursts of more moderate snow that gives you two to four inches by the time it ends Sunday afternoon. That's what that, that would be my guess right now, but the potential exists for eight and the potential exists for the forecast to completely bust and for us to end up with flurries to maybe an inch. You know, I'm I gonna, think you'll I, see snow this weekend. Okay. Though. I might as well buy a copy of farmer's almanac. <laughs> do you want, do you want some football picks yeah. or not? Let's well, get going. Uh, we'll get to those later on. Actually, be, since this is the the last day you're on this week, I do want your, uh, weekend picks. Okay. Um, so we'll get to that later. Uh, before we get to a lot of Redskins-related uh, subjects today, including a coaching change, 
yesterday. There was one. We'll get well, to the that. Redskins didn't say there was a coaching change. No, but it's been reported that there's been a but coaching change. But they haven't change. announced there's a coaching change. No, they change. have not. So maybe maybe there is a dispute of sorts about the coaching maybe, change. Or maybe they don't know. <laughs> or perhaps they don't even know. Yes. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. I did want to just mention, though, um, Marcus Howard's performance last night. Uh, for Marquette uh, in a game at Creighton. He went for 53 points in an overtime win at Creighton. The most points, Tommy, ever for a Big East player. Pearl Washington, Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing. Think about all of the great Big East players. And this guy, he broke the record set by or tied by himself. He did. Marcus Howard went for 53 last night in Marquette's 106 to 104 overtime win at Creighton. Just so you know, that's a Big East game. Um, if you didn't know that Creighton was in the Big East, a lot of people, you know, don't even pay attention to conferences and affiliations anymore. Uh, in the game, he went 10 for 14 from behind the arc, 15 of 26 from the field in total, 13 of 15 from the free throw line, had six assists too. Um, he's averaging over 25 a game, but he and he's averaging like five or six assists a game as well. He did have an amazing nine turnovers in the game by one player in the game. Greatest so, nine turnover uh, game ever. Ever. Um, 53 points in the game, setting the Big East record. He the, the, the record before was his record of 52 he set last year against Providence. And Marshawn Brooks, I think, had 52, was the other Big East player with 52. This is the third time this season he scored at least 45. 45 twice So he and scored 52 points last year, and, and he didn't come out, so he's not a prospect. He's a junior. Um, he is a prospect. Okay. Uh, and now he's definitely a prospect. And if you watch him play, he's got the quick release, the quick handle, and the deadly, deadly uh, jump shot. Um, and he can get to the rim, too. There, there were a couple of things, though, like – I was not watching that game last night. I'm a Big Ten guy. You know, I was watching Big Ten basketball last yeah. night. I was watching Rutgers. Damn it, I should have given Rutgers out. Did I tell you yesterday after the show about Rutgers? You didn't. Or the Wizards? Which one did I you mention? You said the Wizards. Okay, so I told you that the Wizards would win plus three and a half because they had gotten blown out the night before, and they were only getting three and a half last night at home. So I said to Aaron, did I say that on the show or not? I don't think it was on the show. Damn. I thought maybe I did mention it. And on the it show. might have been. I... But anyway, um, don't I, humor him, Aaron. I, I, the Wizards were a lock last night, as was Rutgers. Rutgers was only getting five at home against 16th-ranked Ohio State, and Maryland had just gone into Rutgers. The final score they won by 14, but they were up by 28 at one point. Maryland crushed Rutgers. It's actually now looking like a more impressive win yes. after Rutgers beat Ohio State uh, last night outright. But back to, to Marquette and Marcus Howard last night. I didn't watch the game. I watched the highlights this morning. I don't understand sometimes how we have replay, and it's to be used to determine whether or not a shot got off in time. And... It's not used properly. In this game last night, with .8 seconds left, let me back up. .8 seconds left, Creighton is up by three, and they have the ball. They have the ball underneath their own bu- bucket. So they, underneath, I'm sorry, underneath um, Marquette's basket. So they, they're inbounding the ball with .8, up three. You, you got to win that game in regulation when you have the ball with .8. They threw the ball down the floor. No one touched it, and it went out of bounds. 
So it's Marquette's ball back down at their end of the floor, which gave them an opportunity to get off a final shot. One quick thing. Um, Creighton is 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 well coached. Guy's been there forever. His son played for him, and the, the, it's a well coached team. But and I'm sure I don't know if he drew it up this way. But with point eight left, if you're up three, that ball should never be thrown in beyond the three point line, ever. That ball should come in underneath the basket to, to hopefully one of your players who catches yeah. it gets fouled or the clock runs out, or if it gets picked off and they score, it's, it's a, a two point it's a two point yeah. shot. So I, I'm not sure why they, they opted for what they opted for. But anyway, uh, Marquette gets the ball back with .8 left. They inbound the ball. This big white dude catches it and fires it and knocks in a three to tie the game to force overtime. It was They've got the picture on the on Center. The ball is in his hands as the clock goes to triple zeros and the red light comes on. They go to, you know, on a final shot like that, it's always going to get looked at. And they, they said it was good. I mean, it wasn't good. Anybody that was that so saw that. So how does that, that happen? I don't know. But anyway, it went to overtime. And then the, the dude, Howard, ha- he had 39 in regulation. He went for 14 in overtime, 53. You know, Sleepy Floyd was a high-volume scorer you know, in the NBA. Yeah. And at Georgetown was a big-time scorer. But the guy that I would have definitely thought would have had a major high 40s or 50s game would have been Mullen. Mullen would have been the one. What about Allen Iverson? Or Pearl Washington. Yeah, Iverson, too. I mean, I'm sure he had a lot of big games. Pearl Washington had some 40-point-plus games. I think he had a 40-pointer in the in the Big East Finals one year. But 53 in the game. All right, um, yesterday, Tommy, there's several Redskins subjects we're going to get to. Uh, we'll get to the coaching change here in a moment. But I wanted to start with this because I talked about it yesterday. So I mentioned yesterday um, that it was the five-year anniversary of Jay Gruden's hiring, Tommy. And I thought about, uh, you know, I mentioned a, a lot of things with respect to it, and I got a, some Twitter follow-up, which I'll read to you in a moment. But imagine if I told you five years ago yesterday that Jay Gruden would still be the head coach after five years. And not only that, that he got a contract extension in 2017 to coach through the 2020 season. What would you think the list of his accomplishments would include at this point? Uh, I would have thought at least at least two playoff wins. Two playoff wins. Remember, this is Dan Snyder. Nobody had ever coached beyond four years, and right. that was Gibbs. Um and it's Jay Gruden, and I'm, I'm telling you, he is not only coming back for his sixth season as a coach under Dan Snyder in Washington, but that he got a contract extension along the way. Uh, th- this is the first thing that it would have indicated if we had had this conversation and I had said, this is going to happen. He would have made RG3 work. RG3 <laughs> would have been a pro bowler. That's number one. Number two, he would clearly have had a winning record, right? Yes. He would have been Dan Snyder's first winning record quarterback. See, I'm not uh, so winning sure. Winning record head coach. I'm not so sure we would have predicted he would have made RG3 work. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm so sure because That we, was we, the number we, we one think, thing that, that he that, came in to do. I know that, but we didn't think RG3 could work. I know that. So we, if, if that wasn't possible, that's not what we, we would have projected. But what we said at we the time. We would have both projected that he that he made Kirk Cousins a starter. No, because we both thought at the time that the only reason he got the job is he promised 
that he'd make RG3 work. And we and we both thought that the owner, if this guy couldn't make him work, then he'd move on to the next guy. No, I I, I think we okay. we would have we would I I would have thought. Well, he figured out a way to get beyond RG3 and get Kirk Cousins in the game. A winning record for starters, you yeah. know, beyond the RG3 conversation. The first in the Dan Snyder era. Um, not 35-44-1. and one. Uh, The playoffs three times in five years with okay. three playoff wins. Three I, playoff I, wins. I, I have th- two. This is what I would have said in our conversation five years ago on the Sports Fix when Jay Gruden got hired. If somebody said to us, guess what? This dude's going to be here for five years, and he's going to be coming back for a sixth with a contract extension taking him through seven. I would have said three playoff uh, visits in five years and three playoff wins. Maybe three wild card weekend wins with, you know, three divisional round losses. You know, this weekend losses. Um, well, you know, maybe we were just a little too demanding. Maybe that was it. Maybe we just like a little bit too demanding of the head coach. Uh, not at uh, night. Maybe we're not as hard as Dan Snyder is. <laughs> Can you imagine though if we had said, uh, if somebody had said to us, "Oh, by the way, um, he's going to be back for a sixth year with a thirty-five, forty-four, and one record." One playoff game and no wins. You would have bet your life oh, savings that that was not true. Not going to happen. Um, so a tweet that I want to read to you on this topic came from one of my favorite people who tweet me uh, because I can always count on him being wrong about everything. But this tweet actually isn't uh, totally wrong. Just misplaced a little bit. Uh, it's from my guy Schofield on Twitter. Yeah, I read your stuff. Um, G. Next January will be the 10-year anniversary of the hiring of Mike Shanahan. Can't wait to hear the verbal acrobatic gymnastics you perform when you reminisce on that abject failure. Be sure and bring up his 375 winning percentage. Yes, you know what? Um, He had a 375 winning percentage. He was 24 and 40. He won one division title, lost a playoff game. Uh, But... Do you read that as like an implication that somehow Mike Shanahan is less than or equal to Jay Gruden? I'm just curious. Do you read it that way? Uh, I think <clears throat> it's a defense against your criticism of Jay Gruden. Okay. Do, do you think that he, by bringing up Mike Shanahan's record, what he is indicating, my, the, my, my man Schofield on Twitter, is that basically uh, you, you're going pr- to protect and you're going to defend Shanahan, but he's worse than Gruden. Yeah. Record-wise. Okay. Yeah. Um. From a record standpoint, as a coach here in Washington, it's true. You know, Jay Gruden's record in Washington as a head coach under Dan Snyder is actually just barely uh, barely worse than what Joe Gibbs's record yes, was. Yes, it is. Under Dan Snyder. Gibbs, 2.0, was 30-34, 468 winning percentage. Gruden's is 443. So, by extension... I'm just curious, who here thinks Jay Gruden is a better coach than Mike Shanahan, and who thinks he's comparable to Joe Gibbs? Seriously. Like, that's stupid to even think that Mike Shanahan's record here makes him somehow less of a coach than Jay Gruden because Gruden's record is better. What he's saying is you need to temper your criticism of Jay Gruden's record because look at Mike Shanahan. No, you record. don't know that. You don't know the guy that. There tweets. are also. There's always. This is con- all. This is all about Shanahan. There's always context and circumstance. And you know, I don't know something. The farther away we get, the less impressed I am with Mike Shanahan. Okay, whatever. That's that's fine. He's not. Jay Gruden is not a better coach than no. Mike Shanahan. No, he's not. I mean, nobody has won here over the last twenty years under Snyder. Nobody. 
Nobody's got a winning record. Uh, Mike's a much better coach than Gruden. Joe is a much better coach than Gruden. I don't need to use their records as head coaches in Washington under one of the worst owners in NFL history as a way to talk me out of that. Is Norv Turner a worse coach than Jay? Well, Norv wasn't really. Norv had one year with. Uh, it's not, but it's just general. Because um, I think they're the same guy. I think Norv. I think no. I think Norv's a better coach. I think Norv's definitely a better offensive coordinator and offensive mind. I think that's been proven over the years. Norv's always been sought out to be an offensive coordinator, regardless of his head coaching. And, he, and by the way, he got more head coaching opportunities. Yes, he did. Multiple. And actually took the Chargers to the, to AFC, the AFC title game. To the AFC title game. Uh, but Norv was not a great coach. No. And Jay Gruden but is I not think a great th- coach. I think they have this, a similar makeup in that probably went uh, the Peter principle. They got promoted beyond their their level. Yeah. They're both offensive coordinators. And they're both um they're just both too easy go along slap along, happy Jay. Slap happy guys. Uh all right. The next topic discussed yesterday that I wanted to bring up with you because I know you'll love this one. Um the thought and you get this on Twitter and social media as well. The thought that somehow um the Redskins doom and gloom um is media provoked, is a is a is a result of the media's distaste and anger and, and dislike for the Redskins. The media wants the Redskins to fail, and that's why the fan base has turned. <laughs> you're, you're rea- I, I reacted to that yesterday, and I got, a, I got several people that tweeted and said, yes, it's all the media. It's all your fault. One guy said, and you're a, a chief instigator of it. And I, I just... Where do where does that come from? Well, you know what? I like the idea that people have all of a sudden decided that uh, that the media is important in, in, in affecting their football team. I mean, basically, when you think about what they're saying, is things that come out in the media are impacting their team on the field. That's what they're saying. Well, I think it's impacting the way people view the team. That's what they're saying. By the way, this is clearly a minority of people. uh, Listen, when you're talking about Redskins fans, you're talking about a minority of people now. (laughs) Okay? I mean, really, we're down. You're doing it. To the bare bones. You're doing it right now. I know that, but you're down to the bare bones now. You are down to the core. This is not an army. This is not a massive choir of people singing this song. These are the Harvest Fest fans. You're still sick, aren't you? Yes, I am. You got some stuff going on in there. Yeah, I am. I can hear it in your voice. I am. But but I'm here, ain't I? Yes, you are. You always show up. All right. So, I mean, I like the idea that they realize the impact of media because that's what I've been trying to say. This is why it's important to to know how your actions will be affected in the media. That said... The Redskins have more self-inflicted wounds than any sports organization I've ever seen. I mean, this is, how many times I have to say the aura of self-destruction? I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. It's repetitious. They create their own controversies. Yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, if you just want to take it literally from someone who says the media, it's the media's fault that the, re- that the fan base is so um, disenchanted 
with their football team because they're so negative. They're so difficult. They're so tough. Um, there are two inherent problems with that, uh, with, with that thesis. F- first of all, the media benefits significantly when local teams win. Significantly. So, from all local teams, not just its NFL team. Um, so, you know, on some level, it's just a, that's just a theory, too, because we actually don't know when it comes to the Redskins. We haven't been, been able to test the theory. Right. We've, that, had, we've had brief interludes. Right. There have been brief moments of limited success, and it's been good for business when that's happened. Yes. But we, we really – it's really – like their their thesis or their theory uh, is the media has created this doom and gloom because they hate the Redskins. What I'm saying is inherent that the media would benefit from the Redskins being great is also a theory because it's not been tested in the last 27 years. Right. So, but I think we we both know enough to know that if they were consistently great, that would be much better for business. Yes, it is. Um, the other part of it that's inherently. Um, you know, sort of in conflict with the thesis that the media is somehow responsible for all of the Redskins' doom and gloom. And let me just mention this, Tommy. This is something the team itself has felt at times, that it's a media-fueled issue, that the the dislike or the disgust for the team is media-fueled. They believe this. I've heard them say this before. I know that, but most so, organizations, when they come to that realization... Try to fix it. Right. But the other inherent issue that that is in conflict with that is that, at least as it relates to sports talk radio, which is, you know, uh, an hours upon hours, every day of the week, long form, you know, medium, um, different than newspapers, different than blogs. Um, But most of us that have done that, you're still doing it, I'm now doing a podcast, are fans of the team and want them to win. Like, I don't know if that's the case in every market. I think in most major markets, that's the case. I think most of the people that end up on sports talk radio are fans of the local teams. Not everybody. You weren't, you're not from here. You've covered the team since 1991. Right. So, you know, Tony isn't from here, but he covered and wrote about the team for years. But when you think about just our old station, well, even your new station, most of the guys there are Redskins fans. I do the show with Chad Dukes. He's a big Redskins right. fan. So Zabe, Andy, me, then yes. you've got the former players like Doc, Cooley, and Brian, you know, Galdi, uh, everybody that's been, Scott Jackson, all of us have been diehard fans and have yearned for the days that they would start winning again. So, you know, that's that's part of the, you know, it, it your 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 thesis your theory falls flat on its ass because it's not good for business and most of the people that you might be referring to are actually fans of the team so it's it's sort of hard to come up with the case that that, that the media is you seeking know. them there's a, but let me just mention t- two other things that i mentioned yesterday um i, I uh, the, the the team has fueled this because they feel it their coaches recently gruden Shanahan and Zorn, all at various points in time, Mike's told me this before, felt like DC was a really difficult and highly critical media and fan base. They spoke about the fans too, very tough fan base too. And I think that that is because of where they came from more than anything else. Cincinnati, Denver, 
Seattle. Absolutely. You know, if they had come from New York, Philadelphia, or Chicago. Boston, or Chicago, they would have been, this is easy. Yeah. So I, I think that that is, you know, it's not a, it's not a highly, I said yesterday, we're not, we, we're not a, nobody here is a mouthpiece for the organization. Nobody rolls over and plays dead when it comes to the organization, but it's far from a highly combative media. Kevin. Wouldn't you agree with that? For one thing, I like the I Look, I've been saying for years, uh, again, there's part of me that likes this because in a way they're recognizing that it's all connected. They're recognizing uh, that your, there's a connection. This is your latest thing. But yeah. it is. Okay. It's all connected. It is if to a certain it, degree, but Brian LaFamina it, wasn't going to create more wins. Uh, no, he wasn't. Okay. But he was going to he he was going to create more of an atmosphere that might have driven people to the stadium that might have helped the team play a little bit better and not have to want to play on on the road instead of at their home field. Right. If it's a media controversy, it's a controversy because it affects the entire organization. And if the team doesn't understand this, they're going to continue to suffer from it. That said, this is the softest Redskins media core I've ever seen. The softest. I mean, come on. There's not a Jason Reed in the bunch. There's not a Jason Lockenfora in the bunch. You are. I know that, but 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 nobody reads. But I paper. don't. Co- but I don't cover the team. I know, but as a columnist, you are. I, I get. That. I think you are. Well, I think you are. I mean, I, I whatever. I'm not going to sit here and 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 tout you more than I ever have before. But I think you. I think sometimes you 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 contend you can get stuck on one thing and go overboard, but ninety percent of the time, I think you're spot on and you're fearless. And I love your columns because they take about three minutes to read. <laughs> but I mean, as far as a, a, an antagonistic uh, media coverage, not this group. No. Look, listen, eight. The Redskins signed... You're talking a- about reporters that cover yes, the team. Yes, The Redskins signed Adrian Peterson. That's fine. Adrian Peterson was in the league. I understand yeah, that. He was in the league before in Arizona. Right, so that's after, fine. After the incident with his child. Okay. In every suspension. story that you read from the local media when they signed him, not one word was written about the fact that this guy was suspended for almost a full season. For beating his son, you read about his MVP. You read about all you know his yards. You didn't read about that. It's the fourth or fifth paragraph in his obituary, and there wasn't a mention. That's yeah. how soft this media is in this town. I, you know, I don't know that I'd call it super soft, but it's certainly not. The, a tough market. It's not a tough media market. There are people here that I think report and uh, on the team and do a decent job doing it. <laughs> what are you looking at? Um, all right. Uh, there was a coaching change yesterday. Ben Kotwika. Well, we don't Co- know there was a coaching change. Kotwika. Cha- you know, the Atlanta Falcons say there was a coaching change. Okay, the Atlanta Falcons announced so, yesterday they've, they've hired Ben Kotwika. And I don't want to be antagonistic. So I don't want to believe that just the Falcons. I mean, the Redskins haven't told us. All right. Um, so I'm going to wait until the Redskins tell us. Uh, my guess is that Katwika is actually gone. These reports are true. What's ironic about it is that 
you know, for a couple of years, his special teams weren't really much of a strength for the team. And this year was by far and away the strength of the team. It the was, punter, it was the, the kicker, for, the was, coverage units, the whole thing. It was part of the formula. Yeah, it was I, a good defense, not turning the ball over. Good special and teams. good special teams. So, um, you know, I, I've mentioned about the coaching changes that I expected to happen this week. Uh, that's not one that I was expecting. It's not one I was expecting. I'm still expecting something with Bill Callahan, who is still under contract, but I'm still expecting something with him, uh, a change there. Uh, I, I've heard that Jim Tom Sula may, you know, may decide to move on or hang it up uh, at this point. Um, the Kutweka thing, I am hearing that he is not the only coach that looks at the situation here. I'll try not to media fuel this. Yes. Um, that is, you know, ready to move on from this mess uh, and be in a more stable organization. Well, there's another coach we drove away. <laughs> that, the media drove another away. Another coach we drove away. We did it again. You know, that Bruce keeps hiring them and we keep kicking them out. But somehow we can't get Bruce run out of here. <laughs> um, the uh, I... I I'd be really surprised if Bill Callahan is back as the offensive line coach. I think there are a couple of other position coaches offensively. I think the problem now, look, this is what I was going to get to with this. The problem is, is I think organizationally, there are changes they would like to make. But what they are facing is what the media has created for them, which is no one wants to come here. Yes. You know? Another, another, another the thing we The power of the media. No, but seriously. We have built a wall. Seriously. We, you know what? We built a wall. We built, we built a wall we finally, around Redskins Park. We finally got the wall built. Yes. And nobody and, can get in. And Nancy Pelosi is nobody upset can about get it. out. She's except, re- because I told her about the wall yesterday around Redskin Park, and she walked right out of the meeting. Except Ben Kawika managed to climb over the wall. Um, actually, it was it would have been me, I guess, in that particular analogy that would have walked out of the meeting after thirty minutes. Um, anyway, uh, I think what is going on is that they have now really felt rock bottom. That they, and I guarantee you, they don't think it's their own fault, but. You know, Bowles wasn't. Greg Williams is the next one that's not going to come here, more likely than not. And, and the big reason why Greg Williams isn't going to come here, this is my theory. I have not heard anything. And you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, how much I want Greg Williams to be here. I'd like him to be the head coach, uh, but I'll take him as the defensive coordinator, coach in waiting, perhaps. Uh, but they don't want. They don't want to feel uncomfortable with a coach. They don't want coaches pushing back. That's why Jay's perfect for them. He's go along to get along. He himself is coachable. That's what they want. Greg Williams is the opposite of that, which is why I don't think that they will even entertain that. Bruce Allen, if he's still here, and we're going to get to the whole conversation of really as we speak here this morning, it is the status quo coming back. Yeah. Uh, But – you know, if Allen is here, and we know that Dan Snyder doesn't want, you know, a pushback, they, they don't want to ever be told they're wrong. No, never. So this is why Jay Gruden has fit in perfectly over the years, because he is, you know, slap-happy Jay. Great dude. Go along to get along. Easy, coachable, not going to make anybody uncomfortable. Hey, he's pleasant to be around. Totally pleasant yes. to be around. So um, I think the Kotwika thing, you know, 
We have talked for a while about how this is not a desirable place to come unless you don't have any other choices. Now we have to entertain the possibility that coaches that are currently here, they don't want to be here either. Yes. And I think that that is, from what I have heard, the situation with Kautwika, is that it's gotten to a point that it's, you know, he's ready to move on to something a little bit more stable. Uh, and I would assume that there are others too, but the guys that are under contract, like Callahan, who I think they want to move on from, who are they going to get to replace him? Who would take his job? That may be the part of the problem right now with coaching staff, uh, you know, changes that they may want or they may desire. The problem is what's the solution? Oh, uh, I talked to, uh, you know, Happablap over here in Minnesota. He doesn't want to come here. Uh, this guy over in, in, in Atlanta, he doesn't, no well, one wants to that, come here. That's how they wound up with Greg Minuski as their defensive It's kind of how they ended up with Jay Gruden. It's how they ended up with Jim Zorn. Yes, we know it's that. definitely how they ended up with Jim Zorn. So this is all, again, I'm sure it's the media's fault. (laughs) I'll stop that because that'll be annoying, I know. But this is part of their issue now is they have become, they've created this incredible toxic environment that nobody of quality wants to be a part of if they've got better options. Well, isn't that obvious to everybody? No, not everybody. Not them. I'm sure this is a surprise to them. Um, but I mean, again, it's obvious to look, most people, of I, course. I've brought it, it up a number of times, but it, it fits this. It's it's the perfect example of this. Ben McAdoo, who was a disaster as you the New York one, Giants yeah. coach. But yeah. here's a guy who coached in the league, coached in the NFC East, and he was asked before the season to evaluate the NFC East. When he got to Washington, he said, Washington's Washington. That tells you the image within the football industry of this organization. You think it's gotten better since before the season? No, I don't. I And I, of course, this is something that we've all known for, for a long time. Not everybody seems to know it, but you know what? I mean, yesterday, you know what? Those, those 10 Redskins fans left. They don't seem to know it. Yesterday, uh, this you rem- remember Michael Lombardi? Oh, yeah. So he was on your station. He, he was on with Grant and Danny, I think. Okay, so here's the quote that um, I, I read this morning. Uh, he was on with Grant and Danny. Michael yes. Lombardi, former NFL executive, really hasn't been much of an NFL executive for a long period of time. I know he consulted, I think, a little bit in Cleveland recently. Uh, quote uh, on the Redskins, quote, they have no culture in Washington. Let's be real honest. If I was Dan Snyder, I'd get on an airplane and I'd go down to see Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney and I'd offer him $15 million a year for 10 years and tell him to run my team and I'd win. They have no culture. They haven't had a culture since Snyder's been here. He's anti-culture. He's all about players not developing culture. And Bruce has been the general manager under under this the disguise so as a football guy. And let's face it, Bruce never did any football with the Raiders when I worked there. He wasn't even in the draft meetings when we were there. He never was involved in player personnel. You get what you want, and I think that's what they got. I always love, like, what you just said, didn't we already know that? Like, I love when these things get a lot of attention. It's like, yeah, yeah. tell me something I don't know. 
Like we've been here for all of it. We've witnessed every day of it. We know it. And I'm not. I'm. I'm sure he's asked the question. He's going to answer it. I'm not criticizing him for providing an answer. But I love how people make such a big deal over the answer, like it's somehow a revelation. But he's right. I mean that. That's what Dan Snyder should do. Go down. Go to go see Dabo Sweeney. Give him fifteen million dollars a year for ten years. And then disappear from the country for that ten years. I wouldn't do that. If I had fifteen million, I'd go to Michigan and give it to Jim Harbaugh. Before really? I give it to Dabo Sweeney? Damn right. Yeah, I mean, I. But Jim love, Harbaugh's I love, a burnout. I love. He's a burnout guy. I mean, I, I love. I love Dabo, and I mentioned this the other day. You know, old little old Clemson, little old Clemson. Yeah, powerhouse Clemson. He's a burnout guy, <clears throat> Jim yeah, Harbaugh. I, Dabo's got great talent. The, here, here's what you. The, the college to the pro thing, this Cliff King, Kingsbury um, hire is, is strange. Um, but the the because the, he hasn't even really won at the college level. Uh, the um, the college to pro thing, Tommy, the big difference is you've got to really be able to coach because the no, talent, you don't. because you don't have significant talent differences. One of the things that Spurrier realized when he got to the NFL, is that he didn't have superior talent to 10 out of the 12 opponents on his roster. And therefore, the talent being such a fine line difference between you know the teams in the NFL because of the draft and the order of the draft and free agency and salary cap and all that stuff, you got to really be able to coach, what too. What does coach mean to you in well, the NFL? Jim Harbaugh's won everywhere he's gone at the pro level, at the college level, and to me, it's his – he has a way of creating a culture. You may not okay, like well, his that's culture. Okay, well, that's not coaching. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, it is, but it isn't. That's coaching in the NFL now, but it's not X's and O's culture. Oh, but, but you can't win at the NFL level the way he won 44-19 and 19 My point over four is, seasons Kevin, without being a, a good X's and O's head coach. No, you, you – you, you can recognize people who are good X's and O's. You have to be the CEO. You have to be able to to have a big picture attitude as a head coach. What, what, where are you getting? You, you, you just don't like Jim Harbaugh? No, I'm not talking okay, about I'm, Jim Harbaugh. I'm talking about you saying if, if you're going to be an NFL head coach now, the transition from college to pro, you really got to know how to coach. I'm not that that's that's an unfair knock on Dabo Sweeney, who I think is a very good coach. I think Jim Harbaugh, though, is a proven pro coach. I get my so point I would is, prefer him. Coaching does not necessarily mean knowing how to draw up the first fifteen plays uh, on your opening script. That's not necessarily just coaching. It goes beyond that. Jim Harbaugh has won at every level of coaching and every kind of coaching that he's been a part of. Am I right? Yeah, but he's a burnout guy. Okay. Would you take four years of three NFC championship games in a row and a Super Bowl? Uh, I don't a, think he be gets a participant you there. In the, be a, he did with a, another terrible owner in, in York in a bad organization. I don't think he gets you there. I think he's got – it's precisely his type, and they'd have to step outside of their comfort zone to hire somebody like him. You know, like they did, you know, way back in the day with Marty, and to a much lesser extent with Mike, because Mike is viewed as a player's coach, yes, more than a hard-ass disciplinarian. Marty and Jim Harbaugh are cut from the same cloth. But Marty, I mean, but but Mike was a culture change move. It was because he came with Bruce too. Yeah, but it was a culture change. The whole it was an attempt. The whole Albert Hainsworth's line in the sand 
was a culture change signal. No, I understand that. It was an attempt to be a better owner. Yes. But really at this point, given that his old way of overspending hasn't worked and his new way of underspending with somebody who doesn't know anything about what he's doing football-wise hasn't worked, I'd rather him go out and find somebody that can create the discipline, the structure, and the culture on his own when it comes to the football team and the football operation. But can we, can we agree on this? That he'd have a chance at doing this. It doesn't matter who coaches his team? Yeah, I mean, I've, that's part okay. of it, too. I mean, it would have to... I mean, you'd have to, if you were a Harbaugh or a Dabo Sweeney or anybody, you'd, you'd have to have now, given all of the evidence, you would have to have it in the contract that he can't interfere. And if he does, and it'd have to be spelled out in granular detail about what interference means... Um, and what destructive behavior means to the football operation, he's he'd have to pay them off and let them leave, you know, and and pay them even more than he was contractually obliged to, to pay him if they stayed as a coach. There'd be, there'd have to be like a true poison pill, or else just have Adrian Peterson administer the punishment. <laughs> uh, um, let me tell you about Window Nation. More Redskins to come. Uh, I've got a, a, another conversation that I want to have with Tommy. Scott Van Pelt will be with us today uh, as well. Let me tell you about Window Nation. Window Nation right now has their triple zero sale going. Uh, talked about it towards the end of December, and it is still uh, rolling right now. The triple zero sale is zero down payment, zero payments, and 0% interest until 2020. But that's not all. Window Nation's triple zero sale is a triple deal. You'll get $200 off every window, any size, any style. And if you order a whole house of windows, Window Nation will pay your heating bill until the new windows are installed. You'll save hundreds, even thousands of dollars right now. And who knows how much more with energy savings and higher home value for years to come. Window Nation windows give the greatest gift an inviting, warm, cozy, comfortable home. So visit windonation.com today for the triple zero sale, zero down payment, zero payments, and 0% interest for 12 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windonation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or shop windonation.com and tell them we sent you. All right, the next thing I wanted to get to, um, Redskins related, is just that we are sitting here on January 10th, and most of the head coaching changes have happened, right, Aaron, with the exception of the Jets and the Dolphins at this point, still the only two left. Well, or Cincinnati. Jets, I was going to say the Jets. Adam Gase. Yes. Yeah. So it's Cincinnati and Miami. Yes. That's it. Uh, by the way, the Jets, uh, and I just pulled this up um, as we were sitting here talking, the Jets are considering Greg Williams as the yeah, defensive coordinator Yeah, that seems like a there. likely scenario right uh, now. So um, the, the, right now it is, with the exception of Ben Kotwika, it's status quo. Yeah. It's status quo. How in God's name are they going to sell the status quo? What will opening day, home opener, let's say it's the the Jets. They have the Jets as a home game in 2019. What if the Jets are coming in here on September, whatever it is, 10th, Sunday for a 1 o'clock game? If Bruce Allen is still the team president, we know that Jay Gruden is still going to be the head coach, and Greg Minuski is still the defensive coordinator, and it's the same group, and Colt McCoy is starting the opener, how many people are going to be in that stadium? About the same amount of Redskins fans that were there for the last home game. About 10,000. 
There were about ten thousand Redskins fans in the stands for that last home game. Given if if my if my home game opener played out that way, it was the Jets. In the mock schedules will be done on the podcast. Yes, uh, in April, uh, shortly before the schedule is released. But if it's the Jets, it would be a Jet crowd. Because oh yeah, the Jet fans would come down. Yeah, to the it, opener. it would be. So they're, they're excited they about Sam Darnold, and they got a new coach. Yeah, and it would okay. Be, so I mean, what what are the things that excite? Uh, fans, a new coach, a new quarterback. And that's where I was going with this. Okay, Kyler Murray yesterday, the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, reports are is that he's going to enter his name into the NFL draft and bypass Major League Baseball. He was drafted by the Oakland A's. Right. Kyler Murray, more likely than not, based on his size, 5'9", or whatever he is, uh, based on his size, will not be a top 10 pick. Probably won't be a top 20 pick, which means that he would be available for the Redskins at 15 to make him a top 20 pick. Kyler Murray would be the old move. I don't know if it's the Bruce move, because remember, if Bruce is still here, Bruce is going to be saying, no, Alex is going to be fine. And we'll have Alex back in week seven, and we just got to get Colt. Colt's going to be good, too, because he's healthy, too. We're going to be fine with Colt. Colt will get us to three and three, and Alex will be back for the last 10 games. If Bruce is here, I don't think that they would take the quarterback. I don't think they'll think long-term about the quarterback. But what could the team do to generate minimal interest when there is none if it's status quo and everybody's coming back? Well, if Kyler Murray is drafted and Colt McCoy is still on the team and healthy, Colt McCoy is starting the opener. And you you know this because well because I, I Kyler Murray is better than Colt McCoy because Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden is not going to start a rookie quarterback over Colt McCoy. <laughs> he didn't even want to start Kirk Cousins over Colt McCoy. He's not going to start a rookie quarterback. That's not true over Colt. Oh, it is true. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do. We've done this many times. But it before, is true. Except that he didn't. It is true. Except that he didn't start Colt McCoy. He started Kirk Cousins. No, I, I know that, but that <laughs> but, was the only but, thing they could sell to the owner. Oh, okay. Um, actually, I think that's the, the thing they didn't want to have to sell to the owner. They would have rather sold Colt McCoy. They, no, they, they hated the opposite. Um, but but anyway. they couldn't sell Colt McCoy now, to the now, owner. T- I, I, I mean, br- I can't believe you, 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 keep, you keep believing this. Oh, I can't believe you keep believing this. This is one of these things that you just sort of make up in your own head about the way it was and the way it played out. We, we both agree that nobody other than Dan wanted – Robert Griffin III to be the starting quarterback. Kirk Cousins and Colt McCoy were essentially in a battle. And yes, Jay likes Colt a lot, but Jay thought Kirk gave him a much better chance as the starter in 2015 than Colt did. I, I know you believe that. I, I know that. I, I And I know just the opposite. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You don't know anything about that. Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, why are we doing this? We've done this too many times. What about just... Because if- you can't help yourself. <clears throat> help myself i know that to be true and i know the opposite to then be why true. didn't colt mccoy start because scott McLuhan could not go in and convince dan snyder that robert griffin should be replaced with colt mccoy why because kirk cousins was a was a was a, a not a not an unproven disaster yet like Colt McCoy what had been. What do you mean Colt had led them to starter. their biggest win the year before? I, I know that, but but he had he had he had the reputation as a backup quarterback. He was a sparring partner, and you were going to ask the owner to make the sparring partner the, the last champ. time we had seen Kirk Cut. 
he had soiled himself in a game against the Titans. I, I grant you that. But but if Kirk Cousins was not proven not to have an upside yet at that point. Why do you think you know this? Because I know the opposite is true. Who did you talk to that told you the opposite? Who did you talk to? I'm not going to tell you who I talked well, to. Well, I'm not going to tell you who I talked <laughs> to. Okay. It's just that this is the first time you know that I've known about this, and this is the first time you've said, well, I talked oh, to I some- know. I talked to somebody who's closer than you. Okay. All right. Uh, that makes no sense in general. Right? Well, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's just say, let's just say that somehow... Um, In other words, anybody but Robert Griffin III. That was the meshing. That was what they were trying to do. Right. And the only one they felt they could sell was Kirk Cousins. But again, that doesn't make that any sense. That makes perfect sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. It absolutely Col- does. Colt McCoy had started and it p- performed much much better the year before. Yeah, but hey. Kirk had soiled himself but, in his last opportunity Col- against Tennessee. And nobody, nobody came in, in the NFL and Colt thought, led them to their biggest win as a ten-point underdog in Dallas you know, on a Monday night. You're delusional about oh, this. Oh, I'm nobody, not. De- I'm, I'm not delusional nobody, about the, what, what I felt about Colt. I did not think Colt was better than Kirk. Nobody and, and thought, thought there was no in the chance. NFL that Colt McCoy was a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. You couldn't sell that to anybody. Oh, Tommy. You're missing some pieces here that that make your position make no sense. First of all, Dan Snyder couldn't even look at Kirk Cousins, you know, because he was drafted by Mike Shanahan. And Snyder didn't want Cousins, didn't like Cousins, associated him with Mike Shanahan and the ugliness that that befelled his his favorite son, Robert Griffin III. Made everybody it was the worst possible move that ever. Didn't like him. Wouldn't even talk to him in the locker room after the Cleveland game that that particular season when he came in because he had been pushing for Robert to play before the game started. Mike told us that story that day when we did the interview with Mike. Um, Colt, if if Jay really thought that Colt was the better option to start 2015, which by the way he wasn't. All right, and that's not the point. That, that's not the point. But he wasn't. Um, if he really wanted him to start, Colt would have been, worst case, equal to the sell. Better case, and a I, much easier I sell think, I think to the owner. you really are way off base I on that. I don't think I am. I think you are. I don't think I, I am. I think most people out there would say, if you, go, if you turn the back, clock back to 2014 and you've got to sell one of those quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins Look, is easier to sell. I, every day on radio, I was saying to you, Colt McCoy's not a starter, not a starter, not a starter. And you were like, what do you know? He is a starter. He he should get the opportunity. I'm like, he's a six. No, I never said that. Well, you liked Colt McCoy a lot. I know that, but I never. Okay. You didn't, you didn't so you agree just, with me. You just backtracked. You, did, you didn't you agree with me. You just backtracked. What do you mean? I never said that he should be the starter. And and you just said yeah, but but you just said you but you liked well, him a well, lot. Well, hold on for a second. I never said he should H- be the hold, starter. Hold on for a second. You, you're right because the the starter conversation we were all blown away by Jay's Kirk Cousins will be the starter for 2015. Yes. the whole year that was a shocker. Remember at the at the time, so we didn't even know really that there was an actual competition because I think everybody assumed that Robert would be, be given the chance at least early in the season. All I'm saying is that. 
I didn't think Colt McCoy was ever a starter in the NFL, and I still don't. I don't think he's a starter, and, and, and you Jay, do, and, and you do. And Jay that Gruden was, that does. Was, that's what I was trying to say. And Jay Gruden does. I think Jay Gruden does, yes, but I don't think Jay Gruden thought Colt McCoy was a better option than Kirk Cousins in 2015. I think it was the option he wanted. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think it was the option he wanted. And, and if, it w- if it were the option he wanted, and somehow there was between Bruce and Scott and Jay and Sean – all right. Now let me point let, out he didn't have a problem with Kirk Cousins being the starter, but, le, but it was not the option he Let me le, let me just finish my point. If let's just say between Sean and McLuhan and Bruce and Jay that they all decided can't start Griffin. I mean we will be horrible if we start him. And let's just say Jay's like, "Look, I think Colt can start. I think Kirk can start. I think both of them could do a great job starting." And let's just say the other two, the other three said, I, I think it's Kirk more than Colt. I don't think that they, I don't think they started Kirk. My, my, it's a long way of getting to this. I don't think Kirk got the starting nod because he was easier to sell to the owner. That doesn't make any sense. And I've been told the opposite. I think they started Kirk because whether it was Jay or the group of them without Dan decided that he was the better quarterback. So you're and he including gave him the Bruce best Allen in that to start. Um, yeah. Or did they have to sell Bruce Allen as well? I think that, that's what I was told. Yeah, you're right. I mean, between Jay and Scott and Sean, they first had to convince Bruce, but apparently it wasn't so difficult to convince Bruce that RG three was a losing proposition as a starter, but they did have to do that. Yes. I think I think they did. I just know that it wasn't about selling the that Kirk was easier to sell. That's our debate here. Right. That's our debate. You believe that the only reason Kirk Cousins got a chance to start 2015 is because he was easier to sell to the owner and it was in conflict with what Jay wanted and Jay wanted to start Colt. I don't believe that to be true, but even if that were true, I think the consensus was outside of Snyder that Kirk is the best option, but it wasn't about what was easiest to sell to the owner. Colt would have been just as easy, if not easier, to Absolutely sell to the owner not. who could not stand Kirk Cousins Absolutely back then. Absolutely not. He, I mean, in everyone's eyes, Colt McCoy was a backup quarterback. Kirk he was still the guy, is. Kirk was the guy that not only the owner disliked, but his favorite favorite son RG3 disliked. So But he was still RG3 would have loved to have seen hey if I'm not going to start I'd rather have Colt start. But he was still seen as a quarterback with potential. Colt McCoy the potential bus had passed him by based on the perception around the league. All right. Um back to what started this conversation is I just don't think there is any chance, I don't think, of course, I didn't think we'd be here on January 10th without you know, some sort of major announcement. You know, I thought that Bruce would get reassigned or fired or something and, and there would be coaching staff changes. But here we are, and the only piece of news is Torian Gray's gone and Ben Kotwick is gone. How do you know Torian Gray's gone? Was, they haven't announced that. Was, that was reported too. But they haven't announced it. I, you know what? Are you going to rely on them to announce everything? Well, I mean, I'm trying to bend over backwards to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's true. That's a good job by you yeah. to make sure that this isn't, you know, a media Right. I mean, I don't want to be responsible for driving these guys away. But can you, um, like, where are they going to, they've got to do something. If they, if they come right now, if you came back with Alex Smith on the uh, pup list and Colt McCoy's your starting quarterback and... They signed, you know, they had another, 
you know, unimpressive free agency offseason. No big, you know, nobody, right. a Bruce Allen type of free agency offseason. Uh, and they drafted uh, an offensive lineman in the first round. And they, um, everybody's coming back. And they're, now, look, they have shown some patience, you know? Yeah. They have, I guess if you want to describe it that way, they've been patient. But the fire Bruce Allen hashtag is telling you that what's left of the people that are still passionate, they're now they're not coming next year. That's true. Now those people aren't coming. So you're you're right. You well, you won't end up with an Eagles credit. It'll be half filled and it'll be it'll be 30, 38,000, 40,000 people in the park. 45,000 in the park and 25,000 will be Jet fans. Yeah. It, it probably will, but but we if got we, if it's the Jets, it could we, be it could be the 49ers. We went down the the Colt McCoy path. God, what if they opened with what if they open with the Eagles? <laughs> and it was another Eagles home crowd. That would be that would be you know the NFL would probably do that to them. Yeah, they would, and they would deserve it. We opened this with the idea that the only thing that that could, they can sell is a change of coach or to change a quarterback. Right. And you talked about drafting Kyler Murray. Right. I'm saying. They won't start him if they draft him. Well, I mean, just drafting him, though, and having it out there is the possibility that and, Kyler Murray, and not the Heisman putting him Trophy out there winner, on opening day, and and well, I mean, that would be that would be a a an outrage uh, topic of the day. But if they drafted him in late April at fifteen overall, or let's say they were genius and they traded back and they picked up an extra second and they took him at 24 overall or something you know something that they never really figure out um that that that's what's left you know if if they're coming back with all you know all significant pieces in place what's left is an addition and the addition would be a quarterback in the draft and i mentioned kyler murray because they're not going to they're not going to have a chance for dwayne haskins he could potentially go number 1 overall certainly top you know 10 pick worst case and greer and lock may be gone by the time we get to 15 but drafting greer or lock at 15 would also create some some interest you know it would be helpful to them murray would be the one though the high, yeah. the the guy that was absolutely thrilling to watch I mean, play pe- football, especially after him. watching May, what, what Mayfield did this year. People see him and they see Russell Wilson. They do, and he's smaller than Russell Wilson. Yeah. He's actually two to three inches smaller really? than Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Kyler Murray's Aaron. Look up his height. I think it's like five eight or five nine. Right. I've seen different things. It, it seems to fluctuate. Depend. I've seen as high, uh, as tall as five ten. Wikipedia officially has it as five eleven. Yeah, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. I think on. Uh, let me see where he has it on the Oklahoma website. It is five ten listed on Oklahoma. Five ten. And is Russell Wilson listed at five eleven, or six feet? I don't think he's listed at six feet. Five eleven. Five eleven. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's Baker Mayfield listed? He's six feet, right? Like he's listed at six feet, maybe. See six one there. Yeah. Let's see six one according to okay. ESPN. Yeah, Murray's super short. Murray's Flutie short. I know, but I always thought Doug Flutie never got a fair shake in the NFL. I thought he could have been a starting NFL quarterback for years. Well, he 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 wasn't for years, but he was in different spots in different times. Buffalo. I know. So I never thought he got a. I never buy into Chicago. I mean, if a guy's that talented. 
I mean, I don't particularly care how tall he is. Um, how many teams did how many teams did Doug Flutie start for? Because I, I want to say at least four or five teams, right? That he ended up having the opportunity. That's why I'm pulling this up. Um, he remember he started in the playoffs against the Redskins with the Bears when he was super young. Right. Uh, he had. 12 starts in New England. With with Buffalo, too. He had 25, 30, 30 starts in Buffalo, and he had 16 starts in San Diego. You know what his career record is as a starter? I'm betting it's a winning record. It is. 38, 28, and, yeah. and nothing. Again, he, did, he um, didn't get 80, a fair 86 shake. touchdowns, 68 interceptions. You know, had a low completion percentage. He... he Look, I always thought he was fun to watch, and he was he was just an athlete and he a player. Made he, he made plays. Yeah. He, you know what? It would be great if Colt McCoy could play like Doug Flutie yes, played. Yes, it would. Yes, that it would. That would be awesome. But, but again, the, re- the Colt McCoy discussion came up because I think even if they draft Kyler Murray, Jay will start Colt McCoy on opening day. <laughs> that, would, that would go over really well. Yes. You know, now, I mean, we'll watch the progress and then there will be these preseason, you know, exhibition games. And if there's that, you know, a play or two that he makes, it's going to be like, why are we even wasting our time starting Colt McCoy? Which, you which might actually, as well start with what, this dude right they, now. What they did in Seattle with Matt Castle and Russell Wilson. It wasn't Matt Castle. It was, no, uh, it was, it was Matt, Matt Flynn. Matt, Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn yeah, and who they Wilson. paid a bunch of money to. Yes. And Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel both said, the other guy's just much better. Yeah. Much better. Um, all right, uh, we'll get to Scott Van Pelt in a moment. Real quickly on Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you are in the market for a new vehicle, um, give them a chance. Uh, a Chrysler Dodge Jeep Subaru. They've got a Subaru de- Subaru dealership as well. Give Farish a chance. They're right there in the heart of Fairfax and Fairfax Circle. Kevin Farish has been running a great dealership for a long time. Ralph Perkins is, basically runs the show every day. He's in the store every day. Ralph's a good friend of mine. Uh, ask for Ralph when you get there. He'll put you in touch uh, and connect you with one of their best salespeople. Right now, their best rebates of the year. Also, the Jeep Cherokee, Grand Cherokee, Jeep Wrangler, and Ram Pickup. All of those vehicles, all four of them, there are plenty of options on the lot, and they are really giving out great deals right now. You'll get a phenomenal deal on any one of those four vehicles. Again, Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph Perkins when you get there. You can also see live inventory, live pricing, and their best deals at FarishCars.com. All right, let's bring in Scott Van Pelt for his... uh weekly visit here on the podcast. Tommy's here today. Um, I want to get to Maryland basketball first and then eventually get your thoughts on uh, the NFL playoffs this weekend. But, you know, last night, and I, I mentioned to Tommy early, uh, by the way, I don't know, we didn't talk last night, Rutgers was plus five at home yeah. after getting blown yeah. out. Yeah, And, and uh, they won out. What a crazy thing. Yeah, what a nutty thing. Uh, I'm sure the analytics people saw that one coming. Um, the uh, that that makes Maryland's win over Rutgers look pretty damn impressive because I actually thought Rutgers was pretty good when Maryland played them. You could see the talent; they got in foul trouble and game got out of hand. Um, what do you think of Maryland right now after their win over Minnesota? Well, back to back road wins against um, you know Minnesota is different than Rutgers just in terms of how they're sort of seen. Um, you know, they've been injured and they've gotten a bunch of their guys back. Uh, so, so that 15 point road win, um, sort of looks different, um, than maybe the Rutgers win does. And in a sense, the Rutgers win looks different because they should have won by like 
25. I mean, they, they led by much more throughout. But you're right about the Rutgers win in this way. They, they don't lose in that building like that. They, they normally are pretty competitive there. They beat a, a good Ohio State team there last night. So you, you beat Nebraska in a game you had to have. Um, another sort of one of those coin flip games, and they were ranked at the time. And then you win back-to-back road games by, by double digits. And now you come home with, for two against Indiana and Wisconsin. And I know the students are away, and I know, you know, traffic, excuse, excuse, excuse. I really hope they get a good building on Friday night uh, for a ranked Indiana team with a guy in Romeo Langford who's a, you know, a lottery pick or whatever. But who cares about them? You should come out and support this team because they're young and they're clearly getting better. You've got a bunch of the guys that, that are coming off the bench and Sorrell Smith, Ricky Lindo, who are a couple of guys they got late in the process to go along with Wiggins, who was a highly regarded recruit, uh, who are coming in and contributing in significant ways in meaningful moments to go along with Callum looking great. Bruno's been uh, uh, really, really consistent throughout. Obviously, Jalen Smith is, is going to be a pro as well. So, I mean, just in this early stage of January, there's a, a million little things, all of which are really encouraging. And I know this, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I think a lot of fans have had frustration about, well, what's Turgeon doing in game like this or that or uh, uh, adjustment? What he did the other night going to that zone against Minnesota and flipping the defenses back and forth had Minnesota totally flustered, and he coached his ass off the other night against Minnesota. So right now, uh, we've got no excuse not to go Friday and, and cheer this team more. There's a lot, a lot of things to want to cheer for. It was um, the other night you told me not to text you because you went to the funeral for the Purdue kid, and you were recording yeah, for Tyler, and you were recording the, the game, and you told me not to text you in game because you did you make it back without knowing what the score was, and you were able to watch the game without knowing or not? I did, I did, okay. which is always the the weirdest thing because I. And I, I, I'm curious, do do other people are they as odd as I am? Because I'm watching it and I'm still nervous. It's like it's midnight and the game's been over for hours, and I could know the result if I wanted, but I don't want another result. But then when when Maryland had a, like a four point lead in the second half, I wanted to come in to see what the final was to you know if I was supposed to be nervous or not. <laughs> but I managed to just keep watching, you know, and maintain the suspense until then they got up eight, and I'm like, man, they're gonna win this game. And then, you know, hell, by the time you got to the end, you're like, holy crap, they won by 15, which wasn't sort of the script the game was following. But, yes, I, I didn't know until the game was played out on my television. Um, yesterday, and I, you know, I probably went on too long uh, about this, but I really thought it was one of the better, you know, games he's coached. And it answered, you know, what you said. And, and I get it all the time from people, and you get it all the time from people about some of the in-game coaching stuff. And I've been frustrated at times with various things. But at halftime, you know, I was screaming. They have to play zone. They can't guard this team. And this team's not a good outside shooting team to begin with. And I just, I said to, to, to my brother, I said to, to Grande, uh, he, he's not going to do it. And, and Keith goes, why? And I said, because he doesn't, ha- he never does it. We never play zone, very rarely. He's very stubborn when it comes to that. And sure enough, you know, five, six minutes into the second half, they were down eight. He went to the zone and it totally flipped the game. I, I was really, th- that was a really good sign. And, and here's, a, I want a bigger picture takeaway from you in terms of what you think this team is, because now we've seen it play 
four Big Ten games, hasn't played the top of the Big Ten. Purdue's not the top of the Big Ten at this point, and nor is Minnesota. Michigan and Michigan State are, um, and those mm-hmm. games will come. There's one against uh, Michigan State on the road and two against Michigan uh, this year. But in looking at this team and understanding that there is a unique talent uh, with this team, with two 6'10", 6'11", guys that are highly versatile in Fernando and Stick Smith. Do you, are, are you, are your, have you set your expectations for the season? No, I haven't, um, because I, I think their ceiling is, is top four in the league, um, but the question, it, the question to me is, all right, are you, are you going to be able to demonstrate that you're better than Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio State? Um, that's cause that's what you're going to have to do. I don't think, I mean, if you split with Michigan, that's great. You're not going to probably win any, any East Lansing, right? So I mean, that's just how I look at it, uh, being realistic. Um, but already having a couple of road wins, um, and, and frankly, they should have won all their road games. I mean, they should have won that Purdue game, yep. but that's, you know, whatever they lost by two, you just, you have to win the games against the people that are, that are the same as you. And I think that Minnesota is in that group of people that are similar, uh, not as talented, but, but you've got to win that game, right? So they did. So I think if you have a bye going into the Big Ten tournament, I think you'd have to be really pleased with that. And I mean, are you going to win the league? No, I don't think I don't think they're better than Michigan. Um, and they only get one with Michigan State, and it's in East, in East Lansing, and that's a rugged bunch right there. So. Um, you know, I think I think that's realistic. Do you feel the same way as I do, or you have some sort of different feeling? Well, I just I thought before the season started or early in the season, I'm like, this better be a tournament team. I'll be very disappointed if it's not a tournament team. And now, after watching them for the last you know week or so, and understanding and watching more college basketball in general over the last couple of weeks than I did in November or December. You know, I think this is a uniquely talented team that's a top, you know, 10 to 16 team, meaning second weekend really? of the tournament is, is, yeah. is, I, I think that that is a reasonable expectation out of this bunch. And well, I don't, I'm, and by the time we get there, they're not going to be as young. They'll be a couple of months true. older because we keep hearing about how young they are. And there are a lot of teams that are, well, are going to be seated high that are going to be super young. Well, they, I mean, we keep hearing that they're young because they're young. Like, you, there's, there, this isn't some make-believe thing. They're, they're like the fifth youngest team in America. Yeah, in I, I understand that, but there are a lot of other teams that have a lot of freshmen that they're relying on. That, well, that's true, but, but this is, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get caught up in the semantics of it. They, they're playing these guys a lot, and they're performing well. The analytics really like them. Ken Pomeroy's got them, like, around 20, 21. So, I mean, we've been frustrated in years past where we thought like they were better than they were regarded. Well, now the numbers like them as well. So, um, you know, th- these next two games at home against teams that are, are either good or are supposed to be good are, are nice indications. I mean, you, you defend home court and win these, and what are you six and one? So that that'd be um, that'd be great if they could do it. You see, I need to take the Scott Van Pelt approach when it comes to you. I haven't mastered the idea of just sort of like ignoring and glancing over what you say and, and, and just just say whatever I, you know i need to get into that i need to get into that mode i need to not pay attention you, so much oh you've done that you've saying. done that plenty okay you've blown we'll me off plenty more. and usually it's justified uh you mentioned uh the friday night game in indiana and uh you know fans should be encouraged to come out i know maryland fans are maryland fans but uh being in this uh, DMV, for lack of a better term, the Stanley Cup uh, celebration seems so long ago. I think encouragement scares away the fan base. I think being encouraged 
is a frightening thought because they've been burnt so many times yeah. in so many ways by so many sports organizations in this town, whether it's college basketball or NFL football. And I think just, I think the damage, the Redskins damage has just spilled over to almost, almost every walk of life when it comes to rooting for sports teams in this town. Well, I, I know this much. They, they, they don't show up if you don't win. So at least Maryland's doing the part where they're giving them that, that excuse is taken away. Um, I mean, if you want to, if you want to look for the boogeyman around every corner, then you're going to have a really lousy life because you're going to find one. Oh, this, this guy does. <laughs> he does. Well, I mean, that would, at some point, I would, that would kind of become exhausting, I would think. I, I think there's enough, <laughs> there's enough with a young talent of this group to look, I don't think anyone's sitting here saying, Tommy, that we're, that we're planning for a future that includes a title, but I think that, that it, it's. Like I said this about the Capitals last year on the show. After I was there for Game Five, I said, "Look, the Capitals are going to win this thing. Don't don't wait for the, the for the boogeyman. It costs the same to be optimistic. So, like for right now, it costs the same to be optimistic. So I'm going to choose to to whatever that cost is. I'll be optimistic just because being pessimistic after a while just gets it gets exhausting. You know what? I really I ought to take some advice and and learn a little bit with the way you just handled Tommy. Um, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that and I took some notes. Boogeyman looking for Good. the boogeyman around every corner. Um Jalen Hurts is going to transfer. He put well it doesn't mean he's going to transfer, but he put in uh yesterday for this transfer portal which now makes him eligible to transfer from Alabama and I think everybody is expecting him to transfer and it's a grad year so he doesn't have to sit out. Does Maryland have a chance? I, I, I have no idea if he has any interest at all. I think there are a lot of people out there uh, that, that think he could pick them, and I don't know why. I think everybody's relying on some version of, oh, well, he's friends with this guy on this team. He followed some people on social media from this team. Well, he just played for Mike Lockman at Maryland, and Maryland has just announced that they're going to bring in uh, Josh Gaddis from uh, Alabama as well to be their offensive coordinator, and he was at Alabama. So now you've got a second, um, you got a second coach who just spent the last couple of years with him in Tuscaloosa. Now here's the thing that I don't know, and I'm not saying that they don't want him, but you that you have to, in order to come with them, that means Gaddis and Loxley would have to want him to come here, right? Yeah. And I don't know, I like. How do we know? I mean, they, they, put it this way: if if they didn't want him to come along, then that'd be the that'd be the, the biggest uh, red flag you'd need to know. Uh, like they just spent a couple years with him. I think uh, you know, we, either well, what we've got already will be okay, or maybe we can get somewhere else. But I think that the, the connecting of the dots has been so um, so many people have done it. Oh, he's, he's going to go to Maryland because he was the locked in guy. I have no idea if he's going to none. But I would imagine we'd find out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. So they they hired the uh, the Alabama offensive assistant, um, Josh Gaddis, to be the offensive coordinator, as you just mentioned. Uh, I didn't even think of it. I just thought, knowing what Maryland has at quarterback, they would more than they do, you know, cartwheels to have Jalen Hurts play for for one year in their first year next year because he's got one year left. That's it, right? Um, uh, and, and a fifth year grad year. God, his career flew by. Um, let's get to the NFL playoffs real quickly. 
Uh, last weekend was a dog fest. Ten consecutive underdogs in the NFL playoffs going back to last year. And this week, I think, for the most part, the public is going to be on the underdogs again. Do you like the favorites? Looking at the looking at the board for the weekend, I'm with you. I think I think everybody knows that the run for the underdogs has been in, almost unprecedented, and people are rushing out to play the dog, which leaves you and me in a weird place because we typically like to take points. Right. Um, I'm going to have a really hard time laying points with Kansas City. I, I just don't trust them. Um, I I think I think maybe I I I like the Rams a little bit, and. I think I might end up liking New England, but other than that, I, I just I'm I'm sort of stuck. I like there's put it this way, there's no side this weekend that I think oh I love them. Do, do you have anyone that's just an absolute yes? I like them. I, I think that the two sides that the average you know better is going to jump on based on recent impressions more than even Indianapolis and Dallas or Philadelphia and the Chargers because I think there's this thought that the Chargers can win the Super Bowl, which is by the way, my thought too, but it's in conflict with the way I wager and the way you wager, which is the play this weekend more likely than not is going to be New England. And when's the last time you can say that New England was an anti-public side enough so that you got them as as a short favorite at home? You know they're laying four at home, but I personally think the Chargers have a chance not only to win that game to but to win next weekend and then win the Super Bowl. Philadelphia though is different. I. I I think they caught an inexperienced, nervous Bears team in their first playoff game last week, and that's not what they're going to walk into late Sunday. I think New Orleans is going to demolish Philadelphia for the second time in a row, and I think that most people really now believe in the Eagles. Now, I didn't believe in the Eagles last weekend either because Chicago was the only game that I liked. I liked the Bears. By the way, as an aside, did you see that the, the, the Cody Parkey missed field goal has now been officially registered statistically as a blocked field yeah. goal? Yeah, I did because it was tipped. Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting because we because I did SportsCenter that night and we showed it and you absolutely saw the ring and pinky fingers uh, of the Eagles defender move, but enough to change the the trajectory of the field goal enough to re- enough to call it a block I mean, when i think of a block i think like the ball just either goes backwards or, or wobbles and falls to the ground 20 yards short of the of the of the, um, of the goal post like nothing about that screen blocked to me i mean i guess it's semantic so i'm totally i'm totally yeah. with you i totally agree with you that there's nothing that i saw slowed down that changed the flight of that no, ball. It was, I didn't I think, see anything. I think it was going to miss. And the, the reason that I thought it was interesting, and I bet this has probably already been said, maybe, I don't know, but did they do that to somehow protect Parkey? Like to make sure that, because apparently this guy was getting death threats, you know, already after the game from, you know, Bear fans and, did they do it oh, to try to take him? I know they are. Did they did they do it to potentially try to take him off the hook somehow? Uh, I don't know because every because you can call it whatever you want. Like we all have eye, right? We all saw what happened, and I mean, if you want to say, I mean, we we made the and I thought it was important to make make the point on the show. Well, you know, it was it was deflected, but I said the I said the exact same thing on the show, the exact same way. Like I don't know that, that the fact that it hit the guy's fingers changed the 
the path or the trajectory of the ball significantly. Like you don't notice something happen, but it's, it's worth saying that it happened. I, you know, I don't know. Like I don't put it this way. If you're crazy enough to be, you know, to be thinking, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to send a, you know, a man, an angry text or phone call or whatever to the, the bears or parky, but uh, you know what? It was, it was blocked. So I'm going to, I'm going to go. Well, I, yeah, I, I get it. I, I'm, I, who, who knows what they were thinking when they did it. It just, just didn't register in my mind as a blocked kick. Let me ask you but, a question. Yep. Uh, if they did it out of compassion, would you have a problem with it? No, neither would I. Not no, all. no, 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 not at all. Yeah. No, 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 not at all, Tommy. I just, I just don't think that a crazy person is going to have an epiphany. Because no, I, I, I agree with, I agree, I agree, I agree with that also. But, yeah. but, but back to what what started this conversation, the Philadelphia New Orleans game. I, I, I saw a Bears team that I still think, even though they lost the game, had great potential in this postseason, but played nervously. Um, and inexperienced. Uh, I think the inexperience hurt them. I actually, they wouldn't have played New Orleans had they won. They would have gone to LA to play the Rams, and let's just, and I think they could have beaten the Rams, and I think they're the one team that well, could. Well, they already did. Well, I know that, but I'm saying in the postseason, you know, out in the Coliseum, I think they were the one team in the NFC draw that potentially could have gone into the Superdome and won. I don't think Philadelphia can, and maybe I'm completely no. underrating what they are now. But I, I like I, I think that's the one game that for sure I'll have is is New Orleans laying the laying the number. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that 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 they're just way too much. And uh, I mean, look, I, I think Foles and Philadelphia deserve all the credit in the world for uh, making Chicago uncomfortable and for grabbing a game that was there to be grabbed, right? right? And Foles done a lot of that, and and that's that creates a fascinating question. And, and then if you're doing this, if you're doing what you boys are doing right now in Philly, or if you're on Sports Talk Radio there, I just think a fun segment, which could turn into a day of conversation, is no one's saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. But if they did with Foles, again, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Right? I mean, like, how do you how do you can how do you say, hey, listen, Wentz is our guy, but you know, the last two years we won Super Bowls with this dude who who, who put on a Superman cape, you know, in the in the alley. Um, but I, I think, like you think, Kevin, I think they're about to get their doors blown off in New Orleans. I think, I think, I think that conversation that you projected—that's beyond the mm-hmm. fan. That's beyond sports talk radio. I know somebody in Philly who is close to the team who says mm-hmm. we we could be looking at a situation where you have a quarterback in Nick Foles that does, that runs the offense the way the coach wants it run, and you may have a quarterback in Carson Wentz. That doesn't necessarily run that offense. You mean the, the offense, the offense that was the best in the NFL, you know, through the first twelve games of last year. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I mean, now, two, you, I'm, I'm saying two years ago, 2017. It was it was a juggernaut offense with Carson Wentz. Are you saying? Are you suggesting year, that people think that that I, that's true? I'm sa- I'm suggesting in the organization there mm-hmm. may be people who believe that yeah. that the coaching staff may actually prefer Foles because we know coaches like guys. Who do what they're told, sometimes to a fault. I think Wentz is the quarterback, even if Foles wins another Super Bowl. Oh, I'm not saying that, not. that that's what I would want if I were an Eagle fan. I just think that that's the way it'll play out. I don't think. I, so. Can I? Let me just say this. I don't even think Foles is that good. I think Foles is benefiting right now from a really, really good system and a, a really creative head coach. I don't think Foles is that good. I watch Wentz. Wentz is good. 
To me, anyway, I could be way off. And if he wins a second Super Bowl, this time winning, you know, in New Orleans and then potentially going to the Coliseum and beating the Rams again, it would be impressive. But I, I think he's a, I think he's good. I think Wentz is potentially great. Scott, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, no, I totally agree with you. But I, I think that that what, what we experienced with Foles. Now, hold on, just one quick thought. What he did against New England is all-time stuff, right? We agree with that. Yep. I mean, this is the biggest stage. He had 375 yards, for give or take, and three touchdowns. And they, I don't think they punted. And he caught so a touchdown. You do that. Right, exactly, but thank you. You do that, um, you know, you're, you're doing some stuff. But I'm with you in that from September to January, you know, you need, you need the guy. I, I think Wentz is the guy. But it was a weird year for Philly that never quite got into a gear. You know, Wentz was the quarterback when they went down there and got beat 48-7, you know. And so, it, I don't know, it was just a really weird year in Philly. And now this guy pulls one out of the fire in Chicago and, you know, people get, people get caught up in it. I, 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 don't, I don't think Foles is great either. But he's come up big when they've needed him to. And, you know, he gets another chance to do it on Sunday. But, again, this is now us circling back for a third time. Neither of us think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, real quickly before we let you run, mm-hmm. were you? I mean, I think you. We 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 didn't like a side before the national championship game, but we both thought no. Clemson had a chance to win, but not that way. No, for sure. And and, and you know, I, I wish I failed in this way, and I, and I only thought about it as he was getting up to leave. Dabo and doing this little old Clemson bit. Like, yeah. he, he said it on the field, you know, oh, we're just little old Clemson, we're not supposed to. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just said the same thing earlier. four-year yeah. window where they've won, they've won two titles head-to-head with Bama. They went through Notre Dame and Alabama and beat the crap out of both of them. Like, little old Clemson, like, who, who are you even? Like, you're not talking about Wofford, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a powerhouse team, and you're beating the crap out of everyone. So... For the, for him to try to act like they're this little you know the little engine that could <laughs> exactly thank you Ty it's exactly what what, what he's kind of trying to project and it's just it's, it's it's patently false you guys have a barber shop and a slide in your team house like, <laughs> yeah. you've, got, you've got every bell and whistle that you can have but I just do I want to say one thing about that game at the end of the first quarter Alabama dominated time of possession yards this that and the other thing they got down to the one yard line and they had a false start. And they ended up having to settle for a field goal that made it a 16-14 Bama lead. They had numerous drives that stalled in the red zone. They had numerous force down stops. They had a, a really uncharacteristic decision from Tua to throw into triple coverage for a pick. They had a, a kid, uh, one of their cornerbacks, go down on, on like at the line of scrimmage on a play that turned into a touchdown for Clemson. And I'm not saying that, that, that Clemson wasn't a better team in the game. They were. But the, the way the, the final played out and the way that Bama essentially tapped out over the course of that almost quarter-long drive to end Ten the game, minutes. It made it seem like, it, like Bama wasn't right there for much of it and that everything didn't go exactly wrong for them and exactly right for Clemson. Because I think all that is part of what was the story of that game that gets lost because at the end of it, it's a 28-point blowout. I, you, you agree with anyone? I, I, I feel the exact same way. And I... The the thing that I came in here on Tuesday and talked about was this rush to talk about what of you know Clemson was the team. It wasn't Alabama. Clemson was the greatest this year. They're they're in a you know they're in this class you know by themselves. And 
And I think I said that if these two teams played 10 times, you'd have that result once, you'd probably have it the other way once, and you'd have eight games that would be decided by 10 points or less because they were, they, they were super close. And the, the fun, it, was a, it was a night where everything went Clemson's way. And, you know, to, to a certain degree, you know, there was some self-inflicted damage. I thought Alabama panicked on that fake field goal. That was, totally. I, that was totally. not – that was so uncharacteristic for a Saban team. I mean, not only was it a, you know, a, a, a very sketchy decision, the call itself against a field goal protect team, you know, uh, was crazy. It had no chance. And it was just – so they fell apart a little bit. But how many times – you know, I just – Clemson was much better the other night. They were better the other night. Not not much better. They were better the other night. The score got out of hand for a lot of the reasons you described. Yeah. But I think if they played the same, you know, if the same matchup were going to happen this coming Monday night in Santa Clara, same weather, the whole thing, that it could be a completely different result because they're so close. Totally agree. So close. Totally agree. It should, totally agree. But it, but, but they weren't, and that allows Clemson to claim a rightful spot as a, as an equal to Alabama. Little old, little old Clemson. Yeah, little old that that little engine that could Tommy. They, they boy, look at them. I don't, I don't know how they keep doing it because you know, they don't have any five stars. They don't have great facilities. They don't have a ninety thousand seat stadium. They don't have any of that. It's just, <laughs> it's just like MacGyver. They just got some bubble gum and a band aid and a rubber band, and they just make a bomb out of it. All right, I'll I'll let you go. I'll make sure Tommy's not looking for boogeymen the rest of the show. Um, he always is, and, and I think one actually, of the mo- I've, I, you know, it's not exhausting. It's actually exhilarating. <laughs> yeah, well, for you it is. Um, <laughs> the uh, the thing the, the thing that you said in this twenty minutes or however long we've spent with you that is really interesting to me, and I never even thought about it this way is. What if Loxley and the new OC actually don't want Jalen Hurts? That's crazy to me. But but it, 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 it's, it, it's all no, no, I didn't report it. I no, just, I know I you did. Thought it out loud. But, and by the way, as we were talking, I was reading Jeff Herman, who runs Inside Maryland Sports, has has uh, has posted on his site. I, I don't know if he would want me sharing his his, uh, his yeah, inside info, please, but I assume please. the news will get out. It, well, it, it's uh, Jalen Hurts could be visiting Maryland this weekend. So whoa, it, baby. So if that if that were to happen, then I guess we'll see what we see. You know what? If the Redskins could only draft Jalen Hurts, you know maybe he'll be at the game. <laughs> they might sell some tickets. Maybe he'll be at the game Friday night. Um, Supposed to snow. I hope. I, I, that'd be yeah, a if he came in and it snowed, then he was like, "Man, it's cold up there. Yeah. I don't like this." Hey, he should, uh, he should know it never snows there. It hasn't in three years. Yeah, I know. We've we've been without it. Um, the. Uh, Tommy and I had this conversation earlier. You know, right now, as the Redskins go, it's basically the status quo. I mean, Bruce is still in his position. Jay's already been told he's coming back. And, you know, uh, just the thought of of opening day next year with no significant changes. I mean, it's, it's asking for death. Um, on on the team's part, but you still have a draft, and they've got the fifteenth pick in the first round, and Kyler Murray could be available for them, and that that would certainly provide a jolt anyway to to some. Uh, but uh, he's five foot nine. That's what you're selling yourself on. I don't, I'm just telling you, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, anyway, uh, thanks. Talk to you later. Thank you, Scott. Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Uh, Launch workplaces in Bethesda. If you live in the Bethesda area, Chevy Chase, Upper Northwest, and you're looking for office space, you know, a shared office space 
co-working desks or a small office, go to launchworkplaces.com. Uh, they've got uh, fully furnished brand new offices. They're beautiful, 24-7 access, free parking. They've got a cafe, um, uh, complimentary drinks. It's a great place to work if you're working from home and you can't always get the work done from home that you'd like to get done. Call today for an exclusive free two-day trial, 240-800-6714, 240-800-6714. Tell them I told you to call. Also, you can go uh, for more information to launchworkplaces.com. All right, you're not back until Tuesday. Um, who do you like in these NFL playoff games? You know, I think the Eagles are going to I think the Eagles are going to do better than uh what you think they're going to be. And if they manage to some I don't think they're going to win maybe. But if they do beat New Orleans, Nick Foles will be your quarterback moving forward for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's a reality then. I don't. I I don't. I mean I could feel differently if he really puts on an unbelievable unbelievable performance and not only beats the Saints but I just like if if I'm if I have the choice of Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, I'm taking Car- Carson Wentz is just a is a much bigger upside and to me has elite quarterbacking potential. You know, it, not Nick Foles. He I, doesn't. I, I I get all that, but I think there's some truth to the notion that Carson Wentz was was freelancing a little bit too much with that offense at the beginning of this year, and the coaching staff was not particularly happy with him. And Nick Foles does exactly what Doug Peterson wants him to do. He gets it out quickly, that's for sure. I mean, he makes quick decisions, gets it out. Wentz was trying to make a lot of plays when he was in there. He's also coming off that injury. Um, You know, Foles wasn't very good early in the season. Just, you know. Oh, I know. He started those first two or three games, and they were like one and one or one and two. Uh, They lost to Tampa. I think that was week two, and he started that game. So, look, I, I. I hear you. I mean, it's it's a it's a hell of a topic, but I don't personally feel they're going to get to that. I don't think they're going to beat New Orleans. I hate every game this weekend, and I'll spend more time on it next uh, tomorrow in terms of betting it. I don't love anything. Um, but so you like Philadelphia? What about Indy KC, which is the first game? The Colts are on a roll. I like the Colts. You do? I do. I think that they can control the ball. I think that they can keep Pat. Uh, I think they can keep Mahomes off the field, and I think. I think Indy could have scored about 35 points against uh, Houston last week if they really wanted to. They're playing awfully well. They really are. And they can run the football, too. Yeah. And that's I mean, they have an unbelievable offensive line. What about the Cowboys? Did they impress you last week? You like Seattle. They did, do you like the Cowboys to, to give the Rams a game in the Coliseum Saturday night? Uh, no. No. I mean, this is this is Sean McVay versus Jason Garrett. I'm taking Sean McVay, Sean McVay in a body slam. I think the Rams win easily. And then Chargers, Patriots. You you told me you like the Eagles. You like the Eagles to win outright? No, I don't. Oh, but you like them plus the eight. Yeah. Uh, Chargers, uh, Patriots. You know, I would love to see the Chargers win. Me too. I mean, I'm rooting for an all-LA Super Bowl. I think that'd be a great story. Uh, but I'm not picking against New England, particularly with the weather conditions that they could have up in New England this weekend. The Chargers having to come across the country for the second straight week, west to east, and just Bill Belichick. I don't. I don't pick. I don't bet against Bill Belichick. I just don't do it. All right. Uh, have a good weekend. Uh, I don't know about the snow where you live. 
I would recommend you call your doctor, maybe see if he This is so obnoxious. See if you. he'll prescribe you some this, albuterol. This, that you think <laughs> that you're some kind of like physician that you can tell me what I should be doing. Well, let me just say this. You are not coachable when it comes to things regarding your health. I bet your wife would agree with me on that. All I said to you during one of our breaks as we were waiting, I think, for Scott, I said to you that you're wheezing. I can hear it in your voice. You've got a bad cold. It's in it's into your bronchial area, and you're wheezing. And I know what wheezing sounds like, Tommy, because I actually have asthma in the spring associated with like high pollen counts. I get asthma. So I have albuterol. It's an inhaler that really works when I have it's two weeks in, in the spring, and I think you should ask your doctor about prescribing you some albuterol. I think it would help you. And you know what? I'm going to drop a little bomb on you. <laughs> I'm not you, okay? This may be a revelation, but I'm not you. In what in what uh, respect? In every single that, respect. No, actually, we have more in common than you would think. But in a lot of ways, we are different, <laughs> which is why we like each other. Absolutely. So are you going to call your doctor today or not? Uh, I'm going to call my doctor and tell him about the crackpot who thinks he can prescribe medicine for me. Call your doctor. I'm not calling yes, my doctor. Call your doctor. No. Would you just listen to me for one second and stop being such a hardhead? I mean, God. I have would, a cold. You would be impossible I, I to live with. I have a cold, with. Kevin. Of course. You have a terrible cold, yes. but it's into your lungs. Yes, you, and it will go away at some point. What? Taking cough drops? That's what you're sitting here doing. You're shoveling cough drops into your mouth. Like, well, I mean, not, like it's I'm 1975. Not getting, I'm not starting you know, with, an, with an inhaler for crying out loud. Why, why? Next thing you know, I won't be able to take gym class. <laughs> I would I, uh, just a suggestion. You, you won't listen to me. I know that. But if you called your doctor and you said, hey, I'm wheezing with this cold. And a guy that I work with suggested, it said it sounds like I'm having an asthmatic response. What what do you think? And he suggested albuterol. Just do you it. You know what? See what he I'll, says. I'll make a deal with you. What? I'll call my doctor if you call your I don't doctor. Like my my doctor is a friend of mine. Uh, no, he, I'm talking about the, the doctor oh, that the you other should one? be seeing. <laughs> the other one? Yes. Uh, you know, my, my doctor used to be the team doctor for the Wizards. Really? Well, Barry Telesnik. Barry's the best. He's great, and he he listens to this podcast all the time. So, hello, Doctor Telesnik. Well, I hope you get some drugs out of that. And, and he he is also, uh, in addition to being a physician, um, he is very good uh, in helping me with my other issues too. Yes, very good with and, that. And obviously, you're doing an <laughs> apprenticeship with him as we speak. All right. Uh, feel better. Have a good weekend. I'll see you next week. All right, boss. All right. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Scott. Have a great day.